I want to say hello to this side of the room. We got some college folks that are back with us. We've missed you guys. So great to see you all. How do you feel about the school year starting again? Really excited? Yeah? Can't wait? Can't wait. Really? I don't believe you, but can't wait. Okay, cool. So you guys have been away on vacation, and um, my family was away on vacation too last month. They were away for 10 days. And so they went to Hong Kong without me. I, I had to linger behind and get some work done here. And so I remember taking them to the airport and, and, and sending them all off. It was early in the morning. The first thing I did when I came back home to an empty house is I cleaned it all up. I have this vision of, like, I can clean up the house and it will stay clean, you know? Um, and then I remember thinking to myself, wow, right? I got 10 days. I can do whatever I want to do. I can eat whatever I want to eat. I can hang out with whoever I want to hang out. I'm like, this is going to be great. And it was great. You know, for a day, it was great. And then after the day, I'm in my empty house, and I'm like, where's my family? And it's funny because after that, people would ask me, hey, you know, Pastor Andrew, your family's away. How are you doing? And suddenly, there was a little bit, I got a little bit whiny. You know, like, oh, I'm going to miss my family. It was like that, really, like 10 days of that. Like, how are you doing? I'm going to miss my family. Um, it's kind of annoying, I know. Uh, I'll do it again. Um, and I, I just, it just became a long wait for like, I can't wait to be with my family. I can't wait to be with my wife. I can't wait to be with my kids. I'm going to grind it out, love people here, but I can't wait to be with my family. And it was a wait. It was a long wait. And I hate waiting. How do you guys long a, how do you guys like a good long wait? Anyone love waiting? Oh, I love the wait. It's interesting, we're in a culture and a society that says instantaneous, right here, right now. We don't like to wait. No one likes to wait. I, I once heard a sermon titled, The Christian Life is Spent Waiting. It was such a powerful message, I've never forgotten it. I didn't actually hear the sermon, I just heard the title. But the title was so powerful that I never forgot it. The Christian life is spent waiting. And the truth is, the truth is just, this doesn't just apply to the Christian. This applies to everyone. Everyone is waiting for something. Maybe you're waiting for kids to come. If God willing they do come, then you're waiting, you're waiting to get a good night's sleep. You're waiting to go to the bathroom, that's true. And then when they grow up and you want to raise them to believe in God, you're waiting for the first time they will experience God. It's like you're always waiting. Maybe you want to be married, so you're waiting for a boyfriend. You're waiting for a girlfriend. I remember that time in my life. I did not like the waiting. I did not like the dating and the waiting. It was all terrible to me. Um, maybe you're waiting to hear back from a job. You're waiting for a promotion. Maybe you get the job and you're working hard and you can't wait for retirement. You're waiting for something. You're waiting for healing. You're waiting for someone 
that you've been praying for to come back to God or to, to, to find God. Now, I don't know if you can relate to any of those that I just threw out, but you can relate to waiting in the grocery line, amen? You're waiting for your iPhone to start up again after it dies. You know that feeling. You, it's the longest five minutes. You're waiting in Bay Area traffic, amen? Okay, I got an amen right there. Everyone can relate to the wait. Well, here in the fifth chapter of James, James is like, imagine James, you know, saying, you know, the Christian life is spent in waiting. And now you want you to imagine James chapter 5, James is saying, and you know what we're ultimately waiting for? The return of Christ. Every believer in the depths of their heart is waiting for the return of Christ. And it's the kind of way like, oh, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Now, a little bit on the context. Um, this is James's second attempt at speaking to those who are suffering. During the first talk he gave in chapter one, he basically said, consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds and we scratch our heads like, what are you talking about, pure joy? And then James says, whoa, 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 whoa. It's because suffering has a way of growing your character, making you stronger. Perseverance makes you mature and complete, more like Jesus and lacking nothing. And we're like, man, James, that's a hard message to hear. But you know, just from experience and just from observation, I know it's true. I know it grows some internal qualities that are really, really valuable. I know it's true, but it's a hard message. Okay, well, the thing he's addressing today is something we can all relate to. It is the pain of waiting. And so today the message is, wait for it, wait for it. No, actually, that's what it is. It's wait for it. Okay, I want you to all stand up. I'm going to uh, pray for our time. I'm going to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we're just going to be ready for what God wants to do. Uh, pray with me. Uh, Holy Spirit, I've been thinking about this all week, just your role in our lives and how you take the word of God and you make it gripping and you make it personal and you speak to us. We sure need that right now. Uh, help us to get fed from your word to be encouraged from your word, to be challenged from your word. If we came in with distractions, I know I do so often, I pray that you would purify our hearts and allow us to hear your voice. Some of us haven't heard your voice for a long time. Would you refresh us? Just acknowledge your presence here. Speak to us, your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's go with the word of God here. Uh, starting in verse 7, James says this, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. All right, I'm going to go line for line. I'm going to try to do my best to explain in a very concise way. Uh, you hear this illustration? I realize you probably can't relate to it that well. You have to realize that the original audience, they were closer to the earth. They might have had some farmers in the original audience or they knew someone that was into farming. And 
these people knew what it meant to work the soil. You till the soil, you clear it of weeds, you plant the seeds. What do you do after that? You get ready for a good long wait. A good long wait. Now, <coughs> if you're not close to a source of water, if you have no irrigation system to bring the water, that is just something that's beyond your control. You are at the mercy of the Lord who brings the rain. So you planted the seeds and you wait. It's a good long wait. You're waiting. There's a lot of waiting in farming. The people who are closer to the soil got that. Early rains, late rains, waiting before, waiting between. Wait, wait, wait. Verse 8. Establish your hearts. I had to go to different translations. So what does that mean? Establish your hearts. Uh, one translation said, stand firm. Another translation said, strengthen your resolve. All right. So let me just say this, a little bit of the commentary here. Strengthen your resolve. Now, when I say that, you're like, okay, it's going to be a long time. And it's going to be a long time. Strengthen your resolve. Okay, but listen to what's next. Um, so, so James said, establish your hearts. Strengthen your resolve. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, that's kind of interesting. Uh, at hand seems to say that it's almost right here. Like you can touch it. It's at the, your fingertips. It's at hand. So I don't get it. It's like, hey, uh, strengthen your resolve could take a long time, but it's right here. All right, let me try to reconcile that. I think James is saying strengthen your resolve because these are the last days and he can come back at any moment. So you got to be ready, right? Strengthen your resolve. He can come back any moment. You got to be ready. Verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Okay, so now James is talking about a situation that you can call a form of suffering, and I'm sure you all can relate to it. It's a situation, which is kind of a form of suffering, when you are around some irritating people. Can I get an amen? No, I'm, I'm kidding. But I, I'm talking like, you know, irritating roommate, irritating family member. Anyone here ha have a two-year-old? Right, you know what I'm talking about, right? So here is James saying, if you have the second coming in mind, if you have an internal perspective, it's going to cultivate patience. It's the same line of reasoning as what was before. If you have the big picture, if you have an eternal perspective, if you know Jesus is just around the corner bringing accountability and he's going to restore the world and he's going to restore your hearts ultimately, then it changes the here and now what you do in the here and now, and how you relate to really irritating people in the here and now. But I, what I want to point out is that James just said it three times. I want to make this clear. Like, back then, they didn't have, like, typewriters where you could bold. They didn't have, you know, you couldn't italicize. You couldn't color. You couldn't put an exclamation mark or a parentheses, like, hey, this is really important. Back then, when you're writing, how do you convey, this is really important. How do you do it? You know what you do? You repeat it twice. But if it's really important, repeat it 
three times. I'm talking holy, 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 okay? Here is James. Okay, first time, verse 7. Basically, he's saying, be patient until the coming of the Lord, okay? That, verse 7. Verse 8. His coming is at hand, right around the corner, right, right there where you can touch. And he, he said it again. And now here in this verse, which is verse 9, he says the judge is at the door. It's almost like he's got his hand on the doorknob. He's like turning the doorknob. It's just right there. Okay, three times. Why three times? James is like, man, this is really important. Church, do not miss this. It's the big idea that James is cultivating. It's saying, guys, we're called to be waiting for the return of Jesus. We are called to be waiting, actively waiting for the return of Jesus. Now, I've been thinking about this, and I want to ask you guys a really honest question. How many of you, if you're really being honest, can say, in my heart of hearts, I am waiting for the return of Jesus? I mean, how many of you, like, honestly, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you be like, you know, deep inside, I can't, I'm so excited about Jesus coming back, I can't. How many of you are like that? Again, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you know someone like that? Like, they're, they're always thinking about it. Like, they can't wait. <laughs> you know, there's, there's this sense. I mean, I'm not saying that they always say it, but you can tell them their hearts are like, there's this longing. Oh, oh, right. How, how many of you are like that? Now, I think when people hear about waiting for the return of Jesus, I think a, a lot of us, myself included, would go, you know, wow. That feels like really far away. It's like, it's like saying, hey, have, have your mind set on something that's going to happen like a thousand years from now, okay? I mean, that just feels so out of hand. You know what I'm saying? It's like intangible, ab so irrelevant, like a thousand years from now? Really? You want to be thinking about something that's so far away? I, I remember I was talking uh, about this message with someone, and they said, they said, this is what they said to me. They said, honestly... They said, it would be nice if James can tell us when exactly Jesus is coming. And let me tell you, because if he's not coming back in 2019, then I'm just going to do something else. Because I got other things to do than just wait around if he's not coming anytime soon. And maybe some of us are like, honestly, honestly, we're really being honest, like, honestly, I don't really want Jesus to come back. Because I've been focusing on this life and really I wanting to make this life, I have some goals, I have some things I want to do, I'm building some comfort. I kind of like my life as it is. And I feel like if Jesus comes back, he's going to ruin it. And I've been working so hard to have this little bubble in this life and Jesus is going to come and pop the bubble. And I don't want him to pop the bubble. Now, I, I want you to think about this for a moment. Uh, Francis Chan talks about this, and he has this great thought. And his thought is like, have you guys ever thought about what would be like 
if you're living this life for the here and now, it's all about my life and I'm cultivating the life that I've always wanted and it's my goals and my little kingdom here on earth, my little bubble here for me. Have you ever imagined if you're doing that and you're thinking that and you're not thinking about Jesus coming back and then in the middle of that, Jesus comes back. Have you ever thought about what that moment will be like when you're saying hello to him? So I just want you to imagine, um, uh, Alan, can I have you stand up? I just need, uh, I just need a good-looking Jesus right now, and <laughs> and uh, okay. So just stand up and just just feel the part, okay? I just want you to imagine that you're you're here, you're me, and you're you're building your own your own little bubble here on. On, on your life, and you know, I, I really want, I want this, and I want that. I'm not really thinking about Jesus. I'm just doing my thing, my kids, my life, my family, my career, okay. And then Jesus comes back, and he's like right there, and you're like right here, and you're looking at him. What would you say? No, I'm going to like try to act it out. I'd be like, Jesus? Hi. No, you don't have to wave your hand back, but it just says, I mean, like, hey, it's, it's good to see you. Wow, you're back. Nice to meet you. I'm feeling really awkward right now. I'm not saying that, but I'm feeling, now imagine I'm going up to Jesus. I don't know. I mean, uh, I, and someone cuts in front of me and is like bawling. <laughs> They're like, yeah, they're right. And I'm looking at that, and I'm feeling embarrassed. I'm actually feeling shame because I don't feel any of that. I don't feel nothing of that. And I just wait for them to be done. Then it's me and Jesus to be like, well, I don't know what to do. Here's Jesus. You know what to do. I give Jesus a handshake. You have, Jesus, nice to see you, you firm one. Yes, you're here. Great. This is awkward. Now, uh, Alan, thank you. You can, you can sit down. Now, I, I, now this is my, it's almost like my personal mission as a pastor, whatever I do, is I got to prepare the church for that moment. I feel almost like that is my goal as a pastor. That's, that's what I've, it, and, and here's the thing. Don't you want, because I want you to imagine, the Lord of the universe comes back, all of Heaven and earth is waiting in bated breath for this moment, the most electrifying moment in the history of the world. He is back, right? It, he has come to set all things right. Uh, hung, hungry stomachs are going to be fed. Uh, tears are going to be dried. All wrongs set right. And, and, but, but, even, but it's more than that. It's the groom coming for the bride, and the bride like, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. He's coming. And then when he comes, you're going to give the Lord of the universe a handshake? Because that's really all you've been storing in your heart. Your longing and anticipation equated itself towards a handshake. Hi, Jesus. Nice to meet you. No, 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 no. But if your heart, you're like, I can't wait. You're thinking about it. I can't wait until he comes. He is at the door. It is, he, he is at the hand. I can't wait for him to come then when he comes. Man, you can't help yourself, but you go. 
And I don't know what you do if you dance. I don't know if you do it, but you just come and you're like, Jesus, you know, like, oh, oh, oh. That, that is a heart that's cultivated with longing for Jesus. Is that your heart? Honestly, is that your heart? Now, I'm asking for the miracle of God to actually prepare hearts this morning so that the rest of our lives are going to go in that direction of cultivating a heart that is longing for Jesus, longing for Jesus. Because at that moment, everything in the heart, it's either going to reveal itself in a handshake or you're going to be falling at your knees. You're going to be wanting to jump up and down. It's that moment like you guys ever see the World Series when the moment when the team wins and they're so happy and they're just, just jumping up and down, right? In your heart, that's where you want to be. So here's the question. How do we get that heart? Uh, what does it look like to wait for the Lord? I ma- imagine people in the church going, show me what I can do to prepare to cultivate that heart of longing, uh, to, to wait for the Lord. Tell me what that looks like. Well, I won't tell you. I'll let, J- I'll let James tell you. I, I actually feel like if I explain the rest of the verses, James is going to give you two examples. And if you look at these two examples, they are going to show you what it looks like to wait upon the Lord, ultimately for his return, but really to wait upon the Lord for anything. If you're in a situation of suffering and you're called to wait through it, James is going to give you two examples that show you what it looks like. I I like to point this out. James makes it clear that each example is an example of blessing. In the first example, James says, we consider them blessed. So there is that emphasis. And the second example, he says, the purpose of the Lord, which is in Job's case, is is to reveal the purposes of God. Now, if you kind of look in the story of Job, you see it's to reveal a man who loved God for himself and not for his blessings. But generally speaking, these are two examples of blessings, and I want to examine these examples from the view of how do they show us how to wait. Okay, uh, let's go to verse, um, verse 10. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers... Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Okay, that's the first example. Now, so James is talking about the prophets in the Old Testament, all of them, I suppose. And, uh, and so James is using them as an example of what it looks like to wait on God. So what do all the prophets in the Old Testament have in common? Well, they all had to speak in the name of the Lord when it was incredibly unpopular at times, actually most times, and very difficult to do. There was persecution. It was very unpopular. People didn't want to hear it. The king didn't want to hear it. And you're called to keep on speaking in the name of the Lord, to keep on doing something that no one really seems to like, and it doesn't really seem to be making any difference sometimes, maybe even most of the times. Now, I'll give you an example. Jeremiah. Oh, man, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called to speak in the name of the Lord. And he did it. 
Do you know how many converts Jeremiah had in his whole lifetime of devoted ministry? Two. And one was his scribe. So in one sense, like one of his converts, the convert, like, yeah, he had to believe in Jeremiah because Jeremiah paid him. Actually, I don't know if he paid him, but, but two. Can you believe that? Two. Two. No one wanted to hear from Jeremiah. The king didn't want to hear. The nobles didn't want The people didn't want to hear. They picked him up and threw him in a well. Jeremiah would grumble and despair for his life. Now, if we're learning about the perseverance of Jeremiah, what is it? It's not passive. It's keep on doing what God's called you to do. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? Oh, it's just a passive thing. Yes, the farmer, in a sense, needed to be passive and just wait because it's out of his control. But if Jeremiah was not passive, Jeremiah, hey, God's called you to do something. It means don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't take the shortcut. Don't try to be pleasing people. Keep on doing what God has called you to do. And that's what it means to wait on God. You don't give up. You persevere. Uh, in our home group, we've been going through a marriage study, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's given by Gary Thomas. It's a really good marriage study, and um, uh, re- just last Friday, we heard the story that Gary Thomas was sharing about, it, it, was, a, it was a couple named uh, Brian and, and Haley, and they met each other at age 15, 16 in a restaurant, it was really sweet, and, and uh, Brian really liked Haley because Haley really seemed to have a, a commitment and a devotion to Christ. And so it was, it was a def- definitely a spiritual connection. And then at age 17, 18, they got engaged. And the, the world was ahead of them. And so they were at a tree park. And uh, they had a barrel fire going on. And uh, someone put too much wood in the barrel fire, so it was too high. And so Brian was thoughtful, grabbed the barrel of water, wanted to just kind of extinguish the fire or put it out a little bit. But so he grabbed the, and he did it. But what he didn't know is that it was a barrel of, uh, of gasoline. So he poured it over the fire, and Brian lit up. And 97% of his body was melted in fire. And so they rushed him to the hospital, and they thought he was going to die. They took skin grafts from cadavers and patched it onto his body. He went into a coma, woke up one month later, and he couldn't see. And his mom had to come to him and say that the fire compromised your eyes, so you can't see anymore. And he couldn't feel his hands. And his mom had to tell him that they had to amputate both of your arms. And he couldn't feel one of his legs. And uh, mom had to say that one of your legs is gone too as well. Now, uh, I don't know all the intimate details of the story. I'm just getting this from Gary Thomas. But I do know that at some point in recovery, Brian went to Haley and said, Listen, if you don't want to marry me, I get it. It's okay. I release you. Now, here's the amazing story. The amazing part of the story is that Haley was like, that never even crossed my mind. At that moment, she said, and she thought, I am going to do what it is that God has called me to do, and I'm going to keep on doing it for the rest of my life. Now, I don't know all the details, but I do know that for, on her wedding day, she kind of knew what she was getting into. It's going to be a lifetime of perseverance. 
because he doesn't have any arms, which means he can't floss, he can't brush his teeth, he can't feed himself, which means that someone else is doing it, probably Haley. Now, here's the thing. They had three kids. I don't, (laughs) what? Right. He can't even hold the baby, right? That means that she has signed herself up to a lifetime of self-denial and perseverance. And James is kind of like, that is the Christian life, actually. You keep on doing what God's called you to do. You never give up. You never give up. And every day you're like, Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. And you're going to restore my life, Brian's life, and the world. Bruce, you want to show that, that, that picture? It's a very gripping picture. But what you're seeing here is a woman who said, yes, for the rest of my life, I'm going to serve. I'm going to do what God's called me to do, and I will not give up. I'm asking you today, is your marriage hard? I'm asking you today, is your ministry difficult? I'm asking you today, is your job hard? I'm asking you today, is there someone in your life that's incredibly hard to love? And you're almost at the point where it's like, I'm almost done. Or actually, maybe you're at the point where I'm done. I am done. And here is the prophets of old and James saying, learn from the prophets. Keep on doing what God has called you to do. You don't give up. And every day you're saying, Jesus, won't you come? Jesus, won't you come? Let's go to the second example. What does it look like to wait on God? We have a really brilliant first example of the perseverance of the prophets. Let's go on with the second example. Here it is. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Okay, now I want to I uh, highlight the steadfastness of Job, okay? So, so here is James saying, I'll give you another example of what it looks like to wait on God. Here's Job. Job's steadfastness. Now, when was the last time you opened the book of Job and you read about Job's steadfastness? It is amazing to me that, in a sense, James would be so affirming of Job. If you read the book of Job, it's like, really, James? Really? What you see if you open the book of Job is that Job cursed the day he was born. Job challenged God's wisdom. Job cried out and complained bitterly. Job expressed doubts. Now, it doesn't seem like Job is a prime example of steady faith. So why is James using Job as an example? So here, I think the critical thing to notice is that through it all, Job never stopped praying. Did he complain? Yes, he complained to God. Did he doubt? Yes, he doubted to God. Did he scream and yell? Yes, he did it in God's presence. No matter how much agony he was in, he continued to address God. He never gave up. He, he never kept on seeking God. And this is the second point. Never give up praying. What does it mean to wait on God in a situation that's incredibly painful? And the example of Job is this. You pray, you pray about it, you never stop giving it, whatever the situation. Do you have doubts? Express them to God. Do you need to complain? Express it to God. Do you need help? Ask God for help. That's how you wait on God. Now, uh, James says that 
just like in the case of the James, if you do this, if you cling to him in, in prayer like Job did, you're going to see the purposes of God. You're going to be revealed as a person who loves God for God and not for his benefits only. And you're going to see how compassionate and merciful God is. All right, here's the last point. Here's the last point of the message. <clears throat> I'm thinking like, okay, how do you wait on the Lord? How do you cultivate a heart of waiting? Now, for the last point, it, it's, you know, I think we're done with uh, James 7 through 11. So what I'm doing here is I'm stepping back and looking at the whole picture, looking at the main point. Here it is. It's not rocket science. How do you wait on God and cultivate a heart of longing? Well, I guess maybe it's as simple as you think about the second coming and Jesus' return a lot. And let me just ask you, how often do you think about Jesus coming back? How often are you like, you know, how cool would it be if Jesus came back? And what does that mean for right now and how I live? And how often you'd be like, oh, Jesus, I just, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm so, I can't wait for you to come. Last Thursday, I had a really rough day. It started with um, like two hours of sermon prep time. Then I thought it was good. And then later on the day, it just sort of crumbled. So I didn't feel really good about that. But I think the worst part is that at night, I was kind of tired. And I got into a fight with Raina. Should have been a 20-minute fight because it wasn't really big. I don't even remember what it was about. Actually, no, I do. Uh, but... Um, it should have been like a 20-minute fight, but it stretched on to like three hours. I'm mostly at fault. Mostly, not entirely, but mostly. <laughs> now, I got to tell you what happened the next day. I mean, we reconciled. We prayed it through. I, next day, I just felt rotten. I felt the day started with sermon prep that just kind of dissolved before my eyes. And then the night ended with a three-hour fight that should not have dragged on for three hours and i am mostly to blame i just felt rotten i just felt like you know why i don't know I, I just i felt really and then here i was in my office just feeling really crummy it's the start of the day and a certain thought came to me like why not think about the second coming of jesus right and i gotta be honest at that moment i'm like that could be like a thousand years from now that doesn't seem relevant i actually thought that but, but then I'm, I'm with the James sort of, sort of like argument. Oh, in the last days, it could be today, you know. It could be today. And James is calling us to live like it is today, like it could be tomorrow. And I started thinking about Jesus coming back. You know, Jesus, when you come back, and I started to say this, I'm so looking forward to like not being a jerk anymore to my wife. When you come back, all the sin inside me is gone. All the wrong is going to be set right. Jesus, when you come back, and I'm just thinking, how cool would it be that moment to see Jesus and just be like, Jesus, oh, man, this is awesome. You know, I just, uh, and I got to tell you at that moment, thinking that thought, saying it to myself, I can't wait. I can't wait, Jesus. I can't. It did something for my soul. It did. I did feel encouraged. I felt like, you know, I now have some energy to make it through today. I have some new strength because my Lord Jesus is coming back. There is hope. 
there is hope. Martin Luther said, live each day like yesterday he died, today he rose again, and tomorrow he's coming back. Let me say that again. I think that's worth repeating. Live each day like yesterday he died, today he rose again, and tomorrow he's coming back. And it could be as simple as just saying every day, just thinking about what it's going to be like when he comes back, and you just go, I can't wait. I just can't wait. I can't wait. It's not a decision you're saying. It's a feeling. You're getting your heart ready because it could happen at any moment. You know, one of the best times of my day is 3 p.m. during the weekday. Because at 3 p.m. is the time where I get to pick up my kids from school. Now, I'll tell you how the way it works. Uh, The way it works at the school that they attend is they line up all the kids around the boundary of a blacktop. Okay? So all the kids are looking at the gate, which is right about here, right? And then the parents will walk through the gate one by one, right? So kids are all waiting. They're talking, waiting to be picked up. It's been a long day. And then the parents kind of walk in. They go, hey. It's kind of like that, okay? I live for that moment, I got to tell you. So, so the kids are all lined up, and I, I walk into the campus. I, I walk in through the gate. And I'm walking to pick up Ryan. I'm like, hey, right? And uh, normally the kids are supposed to see you and they come and come and greet you. So I'm like, hey. And there's no kid that's coming to greet me. I see other kids coming, but no kid coming to greet me. So I'm now I'm like, okay, where is Ryan, right? And he's over there, right? And now Ryan is like talking to his friend, right? So he's talking to his friend. He didn't see me. So what I do, I go, hey, Ryan. Ryan, and then he sees me, and he turns back, and he's still talking to his friend, and so this carries on, and so I'm like, you know something, you got friends to talk to, I got friends to talk to too, I turn around and start talking to other people, right, and then the the time kind of goes on, and it's time for him to go, because we got to pick up the other kids, so I go, hey, Ryan, we got to go, and then Ryan, you know, he, he gets off of his perch, and he heads in my direction, and he goes, hey, and then he goes to the gate. You're like, why do you like 3 p.m.? I don't know why I like 3 p.m., honestly. No, I'll tell you why I like 3 p.m., because then it's time to pick up my second son. Okay, my second son's Christopher. It's the same arrangement, you know. Um, I come in through the gate. Hey, now I'll tell you what Christopher is doing. Christopher is, is also right here, and he's like sitting around, and he's talking to his friends. Inevitably, it's about Minecraft. So he's sitting, you know, he's talking about, yeah, you got the griefer and the neither, and it's going to be like a biome, and he's talking about all that, you know, yeah, griefer and the neither. I'm saying that wrong, huh? It's, uh, what do you call the ghost thing? The, come on, you know, you know. the. Um, it's not the griefer, it's the, um, what? Reaper. Reaper, thank you. Are you sure it's Reaper? Okay. You got the Reaper and the Neither, and so he's talking, and blah, blah, blah. And I'll be come out and be like, hey, now here's, here's, here's Christopher. He's a Griefer, and, and his eye is on, his eye is on, where's the daddy? Where's my daddy? Because when, you know, he comes, I like him, and he, he also brings snacks, you know, so he's, 
was thinking about daddy, and then he's a griefer, and then Nieper, and then Minecraft, and then I won, and then, and then I come, and he goes, and, and he gets his backpack, and he just starts running, right? He didn't even finish the conversation, and he's like, he's running, and he goes, and he always like wraps his arms around me, and I'm just like, man, I live for this moment. Here's my message. In this regard, don't be like Ryan. Be like Christopher. You're, you're talking, okay, yeah, you talk, you got stuff to do, but your eye is, oh, he's coming, he's coming, and you're talking, oh, and yeah, the griefer and the reaper, and then and then when you see, you just drop the conversation, and you just go, right? Because that's the heart of longing. That's the heart of longing. Church, my role as a pastor is to prepare your hearts, because he's coming. He's coming, and that's the moment you're like, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. That's our heart. God's cultivating that heart inside us. Let's pray. Father, in this uh, throne that is our hearts, it was made for you alone. And I pray at the beginning of a new year that you would do a purifying work in our hearts so we just can't wait. And every day we're saying to ourselves, I can't wait. And we're saying to one another, can you believe it's coming? That we would live for that moment and you would make your people ready. In Jesus' name we pray.